You're listening to the Goodbye July podcast episode number one. Today, I'll be sharing my top tips on how to get started investing as a beginner, how to set yourself up for long-term financial success, and why automation is your new best friend. Hey, my name is Jessica Tolar, and I'm obsessed with all things passive income, productivity, entrepreneurship, and building a life where you make the rules. I'm a normal girl who took a free money class, asked a corporate executive how she retired early, and used that knowledge to build a seven-figure net worth, quit my nine-to-five, and now run an online business from countries around the world. I teach you the simple but effective secrets to building a life you adore. Think I'm special? No way. If I did it, so can you. Money, mindset, life hacks, hardship, growth, and planning are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as a weekly coffee date with a close girlfriend where you talk about the finance and business knowledge it'll take to make your dreams a reality. So take a seat, get comfortable, and prepare to be challenged and cheered on while you learn. This is the Goodbye July Podcast. This episode of the Goodbye July Podcast is sponsored by PeerGrade Supplements. PeerGrade is the all-natural supplement line that I use to get clear-minded, Stay energized, feel great, and make every day as effective and efficient as possible. PureGrade is offering 10% off exclusively for Goodbye July listeners. Just go to puregradesupplements.com and use the code GOODBYEJULY at checkout to get started and get your mind and body back today. Hey there, it is Jessica Tolar and I am so excited about today. Today, I am launching my new project, the Goodbye July podcast, and it is something that's been on my heart for some time now. Personality test after personality test suggests that I am indeed a natural introvert. But the truth is, when it comes to things I love, I've actually got a lot to say. And I think this podcast is the perfect place to say it all. So in case you don't know who I am, I am Jessica Tolar. I am 31 years old, and I live in Austin, Texas. Almost one year ago to the day, I left my corporate career in the tech industry to teach financial literacy, something I had zero certification and little schooling in. I learned from my own life experiences and have been laser focused on studying my own finances for the last 10 years. I chased my dream of financial freedom, learning as I went, and I've witnessed the power of my self-taught financial strategy firsthand. During my 20s, I paid off $21,000 of student loan debt. I generated over $295,000 of passive income, and I created a net worth of more than $887,000 on my own, which eventually became over seven figures once I got married. I love to educate people like me who didn't receive any formal schooling in finances so that they too can live the lives they imagine for themselves. And the reason I love teaching about this is because life is about more than just money. It's about figuring out what's no longer serving you, walking away from those things, and creating space for the new and the better things that will fill your heart. And in so many cases, having a solid financial plan is the catalyst that will allow you to take the first step away from the past and toward your big, bright future. So I'll be teaching about passive income, productivity, entrepreneurship, budget living, and empowerment, and I am just so excited to share more on this podcast and hang out with you each week. So please, imagine we are sitting together on my back porch with dogs in our laps, sipping on coffee, and talking about the mess and the magic that make up life. 
all while removing the stigma that surrounds money and continually cheering each other on as we hit goal after goal after goal. And although we'll be busy hitting goals, we'll also make sure we have some fun along the way. So Goodbye July is going to be a weekly podcast, and my goal is that each week you walk away with tangible action steps that you can apply right away to help you move closer and closer to the things you want most in life. So welcome to Goodbye July. This is the official inauguration, and wow, I'm just so excited to talk to you today about one of my favorite subjects. It's a subject that's one of my most frequently asked questions, and that's the subject of how to get started investing with just a little bit of money. Now, I'm not exactly sure why you showed up today. Maybe you've heard of investing, but you're not sure how to start. Maybe the name or the title of this episode caught your attention, or maybe you're just wondering what the heck I'm doing starting a podcast, but here's what I think. It is not a coincidence. You are meant to be here today, right now, for a specific reason. Maybe you have a goal, but you're not sure how to achieve it. Maybe you're listening and you're stuck in a soul-sucking job, or even just a job you're simply not passionate about, just like I was one year ago, and you're ready to get out of it. Maybe you're struggling to make ends meet, and you're starting to panic as you try to keep your head above water. But the most amazing thing is is that it's not an accident that we are here together today. And I feel so grateful to be able to lead you through something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is investing. So I'm sure you thought I'd just sit here today and talk about the best way to get started making money through investing, and I promise I will. But first, I just want to talk about what you and I have in common. Now, what I think is an amazing thing is when we can just come together as human beings and honestly say, I don't have it all figured out just yet. Like, seriously, I'm saying this to you. I've been investing for more than 10 years, and I am still learning. We live in an age where beautiful, filtered highlight reels are spread far and wide across social media, and we scroll and we scroll, comparing ourselves to others, others who really look like they have it all figured out. But the truth is, none of us do. And honestly, it's a beautiful thing, because what fun would life be if everything was super simple? The truth is, none of us have everything figured out, and none of us ever will. Life is one big road trip full of twists and turns, getting lost, cheering when we get back on track, and then getting lost again. There will always be something new to learn, and there will always be things to figure out. Truly, none of us have everything figured out. So I invite you to just let that belief go. Start with me here today, exactly where you're at, And know that just by being here, you're better off and further along than you were yesterday. And honestly, I'm right there with you. The truth is, I am also questioning myself, my abilities, and whether or not I can do it. And most days, I feel like a total fraud. I feel like a fraud because I started teaching about money with zero certifications, little economics and finance schooling, and no professional leadership experience. And one day I just said, you know what? I'm going to teach people about money. And so maybe like you, you have just started a journey toward a goal, maybe a financial goal or something else with no background in that area, and you feel like a fraud too. But just know you are not alone, my friend. And know that many, many other people who have achieved their wildest dreams have also felt that exact same sentiment. So let's get into the meat of it. Because, like it or not, many times hitting our biggest, wildest goals depends, at least in some part, on our financial situation. 
whether you want to leave your nine to five or you want freedom of time or freedom of location, or maybe you want to start your own business, you're going to need to have a strong fiscal foundation on which to stand. And that is why I'm obsessed with investing. One of my all-time favorite money books is called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And if you haven't read it, I highly recommend that you do. It's probably the number one thing that made me deeply interested in mastering my money. Now, Kiyosaki gives one of my favorite and most simple definitions of investing, as well as assets and liabilities, which we'll get to in just a second. But his definition of investing is this. Are you ready? Because it's actually really anticlimactic. Okay, here it is. He says, if you want to be rich, all you have to do is learn the difference between assets and liabilities and buy assets. I told you it was super simple. So I'd like to start by defining an asset and sharing the five different asset types you can invest in. An asset is something that puts money into your pocket. Conversely, a liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. So I always like to paint this picture with an easy example about two siblings, a chicken, and an egg. So here's the tale of two people, Jack and Jill, who both want to eat an egg. With grumbling tummies, they each go to the store, but they each come home with something different. One of them buys an asset, while the other buys a liability. You see, Jack's a pretty straightforward guy. So he went to the store, handed over some money, and he bought an egg. He ate the egg. Mission accomplished. Jill, on the other hand, took a more long-term view. She went to the store, handed over some money, and bought a chicken that lays two eggs per day. She came home, and she ate an egg. So she also accomplished her mission. However, after she ate her egg, she sold the other one that her chicken produced that day. Then the next day, she wasn't hungry for an egg, so she sold two eggs. And she continued in this way until she made back her money on the chicken and kept on selling eggs each day and collecting money, which was now pure profit. So do you see how Jack purchased a liability because money was ultimately taken out of his pocket? Whereas Jill purchased an asset because after a bit of time, money was ultimately added to her pocket? Well, this is typically how it goes with investing. You buy an asset and then you wait. But eventually your asset will put more money into your pocket than you originally paid for the asset in the first place, which will ultimately make you money. And the good news is there are easier things to invest in than a chicken. Although I'm not going to lie, one day I really do want to have my own chicken. I mean, who doesn't love fresh eggs? So here are five types of assets you can try in order from easiest to hardest in terms of how hard it is to get started. The first type of asset is known as paper assets, but an easier way to think about these would be the stock market. In the stock market, you can buy shares of different companies. So in other words, you buy a piece of those companies, which technically makes you a part owner, which is pretty cool, right? So if the value of the company goes up, meaning the the company's doing really well, they're making a lot of sales, the value of the company will increase. So do the value of your shares. So that's why these are an asset, right? You buy them, you wait, the value goes up, usually. And what's cool about the stock market and buying shares is there's typically a very low cost of entry, which is just a 
fancy way of saying you don't need a lot of money to get started. And these assets are the easiest to get into and out of because you can typically buy them and sell them whenever you want, which isn't technically the case with some of the other assets we'll go through. The second type of asset is known as commodities, but an easier way to think about these are physical goods like precious metals, think of gold and silver, and food like grain and coffee. So you can invest in commodities by purchasing the physical goods themselves. So buying gold coins or gold jewelry or how my husband and I do when we go to El Salvador and we buy a bunch of coffee to resell later. And alternatively, you can invest in commodity-related companies in the stock market. If you're going to buy the physical goods, this is more complicated to get into than the paper assets because if you're buying the physical goods, it requires you to physically get them, to store them, and then once you decide to sell them, you have to list them for sale and ship or deliver them to the buyer. So it's just a little bit more complicated than buying something in the stock market. So the third type of asset is starting your own business. So yeah, your very own thing. And it's not actually as scary as it sounds. And depending on your business type, you really don't need a lot of money or any money to start. Remember, it doesn't necessarily have to be a full-time thing if you don't want it to be. You can keep your primary job, your nine to five, and you can run your small business on the side. But it is a harder asset to get started investing in simply because it takes more thought, more time, more strategizing. But a business is indeed an asset if one of your goals is to put money into your pocket. The fourth type of asset is real estate, like owning your own house or a second house or a duplex or something else. Now, there's a higher cost of entry to this asset type because you'll have to cover a down payment, but if you can afford it, real estate can be great for two things, which are number one, cash flow, which just means that you now have the option to use your real estate to make additional cash each month. And the way you could do that would be maybe renting out a room or you could rent out your entire property whenever you're out of town. There's a lot of different options for cash flow when you own real estate. And the second way is through capital gains, which is just another financial term that means you're going to get one big lump sum payment if and when you sell your property. Now, the fifth and final type of asset we'll cover is one that people love to hate, and that is cryptocurrency. So think of Bitcoin, Ethereum, and others. Now, I'm a believer in crypto. I believe it's the future and there's potential for big growth here, but be prepared because the learning curve is steep, it's volatile, and if you don't prioritize security, there is a high risk for theft. But one great perk of crypto is that you don't need much money to start since you can actually buy fractions of coins. So this is something people don't often understand when they're first starting out. But let's use Bitcoin as an example. You do not have to buy one whole Bitcoin. You can buy a tenth of a Bitcoin or one one hundredth of it or literally however little or however much you want to buy the Bitcoin, you can do that. And you can do that with all of the different coins. But actually making the purchase and deciding where to store your coins once you've bought them can get really complicated really fast. So that is why this is listed as the fifth and most complicated asset type. So 
If you hopped on this episode to find out what I would do if I had $500 to start investing, come back to me now, put away those distractions and listen up because here's my take. As someone who's invested in all five of these asset classes, I can say without a shadow of a doubt that if I had $500 to start investing, I'd use it to invest in the stock market. But I would not invest in the stock market on my own. That's an important point. Here's why. I don't know about you, but I don't have the time, interest, experience, or knowledge to research the companies, look into their leadership, review their plans for coming years, consider their ethics, their revenue, their expenses, their profits, their losses. You get the picture. So in other words, I don't have the time, interest, or experience to really dig deep into the different companies to decide which shares I should buy in the stock market in order to make money on my investment. But the good news is there are people who are experts in doing this, and they do it every single day for a living. And these people are human beings. They don't have a crystal ball, but I think that they've got a better chance at making me money than I do. So I personally use them. But specifically, again, this is important. I would look for a fiduciary. So now you're probably thinking, okay, what the heck is a fiduciary? So a fiduciary is someone who is both ethically and legally obligated to act in your best interest, even when, like, especially when that means putting your interests ahead of their own. And the two that I currently use with the best customer service, in my opinion, are called Elvest and Edelman Financial Engines. But you really only need one. As your investment portfolio grows and gets more complicated, you might branch out to more than one, but just start with one. Just pick one fiduciary to get started if you're going to go this route. A couple other companies I've heard good things about are Betterment and Wealthfront, but I've not used either of those personally. If you're pumping the brakes and thinking about, whoa, 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 how much is this going to cost? Let's talk just for a second about fees. The good news is most fees are pretty similar across the board, so you don't have to look super deep into fiduciaries to see who's charging more, who's charging less. Most of them are pretty similar, and the even better news is they only charge what is, in my opinion, a negligible fee. Like, I hardly even notice what they charge me for the amount of money that they return. It's something like 0.25% of whatever money they make you, so not even a full percentage point. So for an easy example, say they make you $100, that means that they would only take $0.25 as their fee if they are charging that 0.25% rate. So again, hardly anything. And for me, it's totally worth it to not have to worry about or mess with my investments because that's my personal investment style. Like I said, I don't have time to look at that stuff. I don't want to. I would much rather just pay a small fee to somebody who's very good at doing this and hope that they're going to make me money. But again, I have to remember that they are human beings and they don't have a crystal ball. So my bet is just that they're going to do a better job than me. And that is why I pay them. So if you are interested in taking the fiduciary route, I would suggest comparing three different platforms and looking at things that matter to you in order to make a decision. So as an example, because fees are comparable across the board, The factors that I personally looked at were their reviews for customer service because I definitely want to be able to get a hold of somebody quickly if I have questions about my money. So that was my number one. Something else I look for is 
the option to invest in ethical companies. This is a little bit trickier because how my fiduciary defines an ethical company might be different than how I do. But the fact that they're even looking into the ethics of companies is something that I'm interested in. And that's how I select my fiduciaries because I want them to at least care about the ethics of the companies that we're investing in. So that's my number two. And then my third is the option to invest by goals. So as an example, when I first selected my fiduciaries, I had different goals with different timelines. So I was at the time looking to buy a house. I wanted to start my business. And then I just wanted to build long-term wealth. So those are three different goals. They had three different timelines, which means that the money would need to be invested differently for each. So I was looking for fiduciary, which would allow me to kind of group my investment types by my goals. So once you've selected a fiduciary, you'll set up your account where you'll tell them a bit about yourself, a bit about your financial goals, and you'll go ahead and deposit your money for them to invest. And congratulations, because now you're an investor. Feels pretty cool, right? Just wait until you experience the feeling of compound interest for the first time. My college professor once compared it to the eighth wonder of the world. And let me tell you, I can see why. But hang on, because you're not done. I don't want to leave without telling you the number one way to make sure you're successful in the long run. There are some people who master the magic of passive income much faster than others. And do you want to know the number one thing that sets them apart? It's that they keep on investing. Don't just invest your $500 one time and then never invest again. Although it's true that investing $500 is so much better than investing nothing at all. Here's where automation will become your best friend and take it from me. It will make or break your money strategy. If I had $500 to start investing, I would take all the steps I just shared with you, but I would not stop there. I would not stop until I'd set up a monthly auto deposit from my bank account to my fiduciary account. And I'd make sure that it was as much as possible because the faster you can grow the base amount of your investments, the faster the potential for your growth is and the faster you can get to that freedom that you seek. This is what I've done for years and it has served me so well. I calculate how much I can afford to invest each month as in the absolute maximum amount. And I set up an auto deposit so that I make absolutely sure it happens every single month. Seriously, do not skip this step. You will be forever grateful that you didn't. And so there you have it. If I had $500 to start investing, that is exactly what I would do. So as we close off this first episode of Goodbye July, I want for you to leave today with a plan. And I want that plan to look like picking an asset class, selecting a fiduciary if you'd like someone else to invest your money on your behalf, and calculating how much you can afford to auto deposit into your investments each month. I'm talking the absolute maximum amount possible. And lastly, do not stop before you get that auto deposit set up. Now, before you leave, let me tell you the step that's going to trip most people up, and that is calculating what exactly that monthly auto deposit is. So don't let this hold you back because if you need help, I've actually made something for you that will help you. If you need help calculating your monthly auto deposit amount, I've created a free budget calculator that takes into account how much money you make as well as all of your monthly expenses so that you can quickly and easily see how much you have left over each month 
to put toward your auto deposit. You can access the budget calculator in the show notes at jessicatolar.com slash 001. Thank you so much for joining me on Goodbye July. I cannot wait to connect with you next week as we go through another episode where I will teach you actionable step-by-step takeaways that you can apply to your life immediately after listening. Thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, work less, live more, and keep on chasing your wildest dreams. Thanks for listening to the Goodbye July podcast. If you want more, head over to jessicatolar.com slash podcast for show notes and any resources mentioned in today's episode. Don't forget to rate the show, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode, and share it with a friend. I believe in a world where we're all financially free, so let's help each other get there. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Goodbye July podcast.